Hello and welcome to Don't Pee on Your Leg and Other Scientific Misconceptions, where every week we discuss some scientific misconceptions and we hope that you learn something you didn't already know about the world. I'm here with my co-host, Camden. Is that a bird? Or no, I... Cataracts. Camden Hanslick Burton. (laughs) And joining me is my co-host, Margaret. That's a pillow. I'm going to sleep on it. Hanslick Burton. And joining us as our guest host this episode is Doug, constant listener, Roski. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the show. Welcome, Doug, to Don't Pee on Your Leg. For those of you who may not know who, for those of us who may not know who you are, uh, do you mind telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. Um, I'm an IT professional in the education space, and I'm a father of two, and very, very excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited to have Doug. You and some of your children have been listening for a while, and we love love hearing what you think about it. So maybe our longest listeners. I think you are, especially our longest consistent listeners. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We're excited to have you. Um, so our first segment every week is where we share something that we're excited about. Camden, tell um, us about it. What are you excited for? Well, first, uh, just like a couple episodes ago, we heard from David, uh, just l- listening in on the listeners. Uh, we got a great shout out from Tiana recently. We actually all know Tiana here. Mm-hmm. Um, shared some positive feedback with us, and we always appreciate very happy reviews, so... Um, if you're not throwing questions at us, just giving us some positive feedback makes us feel good. And the thing I'm excited for this week is that we're going out to the Washington Peninsula, which as a Kansan, I did not realize that the peninsula could be shaped in a different way. I was always assuming like peninsula means Florida yeah. being from the Midwest. Um, you Doug being from Washington, I'm sure <laughs> see the peninsula as a very different shape. I, I see them as two different peninsulas because there's actually two. There's an Olympic and there's a Kitsap. That's true. Oh, that's so true. There are multiple peninsulas. We're going to the Olympic. Cool. Squim? Yep. That's Olympic, right? Olympic. Yeah. Okay. There's some good lavender farms out there. I don't know what oh, yeah. you guys are doing. But... Oh, yeah. We're, I, that's on my list. That's on my list. A Lake Crescent mm-hmm. is out there, too, that I want to go to. Can I just clarify? No. Did you <laughs> Did you think that the peninsula of Washington was shaped like Florida until this weekend? No, or I just like, something? whenever everyone said the peninsula, I was like, <laughs> you mean just the rest of the state? Mm. But okay. yeah. We're all no. learning and growing. Okay. <laughs> Why don't you share what you're excited about then? Um, well, I'm excited about something that if it's loud enough, listeners might hear on this recording, which is thunderstorms. We've had, when was our last thunderstorm? Last week? Last weekend? Like a couple days ago. Oh, yeah, Maybe I guess Friday, weekend. something like that. I can't remember what night it was. I think it was Friday. We, Recently. We had a thunderstorm with like downpours last Friday, I think. And then tonight, it's the same thing. It's lightning, it's thunder, it's raining, and we don't really get that at all. So I'm very, very excited and about that. And I love it when Mother Nature's in a bad mood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've angered it somehow. But mm-hmm. I'm really, really jazzed about yeah. it. So, yeah. Doug, what are you excited about? 
this morning on the way to work, I was turning the corner and I saw a coyote, Ooh. which we don't, we know they're around, but right. we don't normally see them. Whoa. And when I came around the corner driving, I thought it was a dog, mm-hmm. but then obviously it had a different gait and mm-hmm. sort of a different energy. Mm-hmm. And then obviously it looked very different. So I instinctively called my wife and said, can you bring the cat inside? Yep. <laughs> smart. That's smart. Smart. Because <laughs> I love a kitty. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's heads up. That yeah. is so exciting. But I have. It was exciting. Yeah. yeah. I, I've been wanting to see a coyote forever, and yeah. I never have seen one. Is it coyote or coyote? And what's correct? Oh. I think it's either one. I think, like, coyote's, like, kind of the folksy way of saying coyote. Mm. So I think either one works. Okay. Yeah. Unlike... And we're folksy here. Um, we are very folksy. Unlike opossum and possum, there is a difference. I don't want to get into it because that might be a future episode. Um, but did, did it leave when it saw you? You were driving, right? It just sort of hung out. Okay. And I was in a hurry, like, every morning. Mm-hmm. Um... But I paused momentarily to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But it was just kind of hanging out, looking around. It wasn't. It didn't immediately retreat mm-hmm. or cower mm-hmm. or anything like that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That's impressive. I feel like I would have been so wrapped up in the moment of seeing it that I would have forgotten the the world in which my cat might get eaten. <laughs> so good job. Yeah. I got a brood. You got to watch it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So let's head into the main segment of the show, which are, of course, the misconceptions. Every week, we each bring a new scientific misconception to share, explain, and discuss. As a note, we each research our own misconception, and we bring it to the podcast recording. The other co-hosts have not heard it. Um, We usually give each other, like, one word to make sure we're not all doing the same one. Um, And this is just to make it feel like more of a discussion for you, the listener, because you're learning along with us. Uh, So... We are now going to, quote unquote, flip a coin or decide in some way to see who goes first, me, Doug, or Camden. Camden, what are you feeling? Doug, do you have any ideas? How can we it's flip? a randomly way to generate something of three people um, staring around the room. I, we could do that. We could do rock, paper, scissors again. Okay. Like we did when Brooke was here. It's become a classic on the three guest or the three host shows. Okay, so we're all going to do rock, paper, scissors, shoot, and then... We'll see how it shakes out. See how it shakes out. Okay, Sounds so good. first, rock, rock paper, paper, scissors, shoot. shoot. Oh. Oh, that so Kim and once. He had rock and we both had scissors. So, oh, and then we'll go... The tiebreaker. Yep. For dead last. Yep. Rock, <laughs> paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Doug, so you do you want to go second then? I'd rather go last. Okay, great. So Shout Camden, out. Doug, me. Shout out to uh, former host Jordan Prohaska for telling me that psychologically people always throw scissors first, like 70% of the time. And that... I went rock. Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> Jordan has many things to teach us. He does. Yeah, he really does. He needs to get back on the show. Jordan, don't pee on your leg, misses you. All right. Um, I'm very excited about this episode. I want to ask you, how many human cells do you think are in our body? Three. Don't be that What do one. you mean by human cells? <laughs> Sorry. Ooh. How should many I have ce- reptile cells? Well, I should say, here's. I'll just give you the full thing. I'm going to ask you how many cells in our body are human and how many cells in our body are bacteria. Didn't you tell me recently that we have more bacteria in our body than we do? Do you want to give me, oh. give me guesses at total number? Give me guesses at like a ratio? I have no idea how many cells are even in a, a, okay, a bacteria. Lot. Can you please, because I feel like I'm so informed. Can you please qualify 
<laughs> what, what bacteria does for us. I'm sure we have plenty, but can you give me some sort of like quantitative idea mm. about how much bacteria we may have? Mm-hmm. I mean, I can give you a ratio. How about 10,000 to one? Oh, that sound like good? It. Yeah. 10,000 regular cells versus one. Yeah. One bacteria cell. Yeah. Does that make, does that... I, I'm going to guess the ratio is like 10,000 to a hundred thousand. Which one do you have more of? Bacteria. Cool. So I have always grown up, and this is, mind you, also having degrees in biology, have heard this like multiple times. Brag. That there was, yeah, brag. <laughs> that we have more bacteria cells in our body than human cells. Mm-hmm. And it is about a ratio of 10 to 1 of that. Mm. You have about 10 more bacteria than you do human cells on average. Excellent. I was just recently teaching a group of sixth grade students and our trusty friend, Bill Nye, the science guy told us that we have a hundred trillion cells in our body. Wow. Okay. Okay. However, that's more than I thought due to the nature of the show. I'm here to also tell you that that is not a hundred percent accurate. William Nye lied to me. Yes. No, he didn't lie. He He believed it. He probably did. Sure. Yeah, that's true. Great point. He was wrong. And that's and okay. That's scientists okay. can be wrong. In fact, other people who are wrong. John, and I'm going to just quote two things here, uh, two popular sources. John Hopkins Medicine, the website I went to, quoted, it's a familiar fact. Humans have more bacteria cells, a lot more than human cells. And are in our own backyard, the University of Washington's microbiome bro- brochure Wow. Uh, said that microbes, microbes, so like, bacteria, non-human cells, Mm -hmm. outnumber human cells 10 to 1. So it's a very common fact that gets thrown around. Can I ask, this brochure, was that like to convince people to have microbes? No, it was talking about the microbiome. Like, you know, there's this new idea of like studying like what's inside your gut and like Mm, everyone's microbiome, probiotics, Mm, everyone's so unique that your diets and like your chances for certain diseases... This episode's not about that. Sure. That's a good question. It's very popular right now. Right. I was just telling you. It was just like dropping that sure, as sure, a sure, fact. Sure, 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 sure. Okay. Well, we need to investigate. Do we have 100 trillion cells that are human? And do bacteria cells really outnumber the total cells in our body 10 to 1? Meaning that we are actually more bacteria than human. A little trippy. No, it's fun. It's fun and... Strange, just strange. So it is a myth that there are ten more back, ten times more bacteria cells in our body than human cells. Mm-hmm. Um, just so we know, I'm just gonna throw it out here because it, it all came from two places. Uh, I got this out of a 2016 paper um, out of the Weissman Institute of Science in Israel. Okay. Did, I, it was in English, just in case you're wondering how talented I am. <laughs> um, and then there was another article in the journal Cell, which was, the title was, Are We Vastly Outnumbered? And both of them were looking at this idea of, like, what, how many cells are really in our body? What kind of cells are they? Um, the reason for that is that, very similar to our episode on our temperature, mm-hmm. um, in 1972, an estimate by microbiologist Thomas Lucky uh, performed a test where they found out how much bacteria on average was in human poop. Oh, that's a good and place then, to start. Yeah. 
took the volume of that poop and how much bacteria was on it Multiply and just multiplied it, it okay. by the volume of a human mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know if I would have thought of this, but in the the issue in that uh, like estimation is the bacteria in your colon where your poop is mm-hmm. is way there's way more of it there than say in your esophagus. Yeah, I, I question the internal validity of that. Yeah, yes. yes. internal and, in many ways. Yeah, <laughs> and so it's just one of those interesting enough that like while I think to us we're like yeah that makes sense your bacteria is not just the same everywhere mm-hmm. it has stuck around since 1972 when he first threw out this number. There are 10 times more bacteria in your body than human cells, and there are over 100 trillion cells in your body. I mean, that's that's how a lot of these misconceptions are, right? Like, they throw out a number in the in the 50s, 60s, or 70s, and then it just kind of sticks around. It for... propagates through generations. Yeah, exactly. Because we're fed and taught to believe the previous generation. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Yep. I blame the 70s. <laughs> I blame just in general. Just in yeah. all of them. Okay. Yeah, kind of them. Just blame this all ten years equally, <laughs> ten to one. Uh, so, thankfully, in 2016, they did new research on what is known as Reference Man, which I just think is funny. They kept referring in this paper as to Reference Man, which sort of sounds like Ice Man mm-hmm. or like Africa Man, like all these like old fossils they used to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, reference Man is a 154-pound man on average between 20 and 30 years old okay. and five and a half feet tall. Okay. So all these numbers are coming out of reference man. I, yeah. Who doesn't want to be identified? I or... don't, yeah. Or is he, is he supposed to be like I think the average person? I think what the mm. test had, like, they did it on a lot of men around this size. Okay. And that, like, Reference man is the average of all of those. Reference man sounds like a superhero who's really good at citations. Reference man. <laughs> it does. <laughs> like a librarian? Yeah, like a librarian. That's Reference great. man. Thank yeah. you. Um, so we'll first tackle bacteria. Um, like I said, bacteria, most of your body where uh, it lives are either in your gut, but it also lives outside of you. There is bacteria all over your skin. Mm-hmm. Um they came to a number of 38 trillion bacteria cells on and in your, in your body. Um, basically how they did that for both counts is they took proportions. So they swabbed basically every different bacterial environment in your body. Are there, so skin, mm-hmm. uh, your colon, like mm-hmm. your large intestine. Anything digestive system, basically. Yep. Unless, yeah. Is there bacteria in the brain or other types of systems? Like- so that was that's a good question, and one I didn't go down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. But basically, it was kind of interesting to me. Not it, there shouldn't be, mm-hmm. which I guess kind of makes sense. Yeah, it should only be in things that are exposed to the outside or are essentially a lining of your body, mm-hmm. which is like a weird way to talk about your body. But like your skin is lining, and also your tubes inside your body are lining. So like. From mouth to butt, mm-hmm. that is a tube. Yeah, that is counts as <laughs> a place that bacteria. Interacts with the environment. Yeah, mm-hmm. so ears, teeth, nose, eyeballs. mouth, eyeballs, yeah. all of bacteria. Your brain shouldn't like your liver. The lining of your lung shouldn't mm-hmm. like. Oof. So that was interesting too. Um, so they took proportions and basically, like your bacteria in your teeth is about the same number mm-hmm. as in your colon. You, there, less of your what? body is teeth than colon. 
Which is a weird sentence mm. to say. Less of your body is teeth than colon. You're just talking size. Size. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just really wanted to have that quote teeth out Teeth or world. mouth? Uh, teeth. Okay. Uh, but the, there is a lot of bacteria in your mouth, too. Yeah. It was just specifically teeth and dental plaque. Yeah. Was the only other surface, like per same area, that had yeah. the same amount of bacteria as your large intestines, which is... Well, in and out. Yep. yep. In and out. Love I'm very burgers. aware of my teeth right now. Um, how many human cells do we have? Uh, we have 38 trillion bacteria cells. Um, they ended up with the number 30 trillion. Mm-hmm. So here already we have a ratio of 30 trillion to 38 trillion. We've mm-hmm. already busted the 10 to 1. Mm-hmm. And we've already busted this idea that there are 100 trillion bacteria cells in your body. Yeah. Or of any type of cell. Right. Um, they did the same thing of like proportions of like different types of cells. Here's something that blew my mind. 75% of the cells in your body are what? I never would have, I mean, maybe I should have having a degree in biology, but 70%. I didn't. What type of cell? What are the options? Uh, okay. I'll I want to say options. I mean, I have no idea. There's okay. I'm going to give you the options in random skin? order. There's skin. There's organ linings, there's nerves, there's platelets, which are the things that like go in, go, are in your blood. bloodstream to help mm. like clot your blood, and there's red blood cells. I'm kind of in between skin and organ lining because your intestines are pretty long. What do you think, Doug? I have no idea. I, I How sp- about organs? Yeah. Organs sounds good. Yeah, let's do Final organs. answer. 75% of the cells in your body are red blood cells. What? What? Exactly. <laughs> you and the rest of America listening, and Denmark, and actually all the other places yeah. that our podcast is that actually shown up on SoundCloud. That was a truly answer. 75% are red blood cells. The end. Oh, no. bye. Okay. Uh, just, <laughs> just drop that, the mic, that just bl- like that. That blew my mind. I didn't think we had I that ne- much blood. No. So, and if you think about 4% are platelets, also in your bloodstream, about 80% of your body is like in your bloodstream so or the cells. If, yeah. the, if, if 75% of the cells in your body are in your blood, then that means that you can't have that many that are bacteria. Is that what you're telling me? 70, sorry, 70, 75% of the human cells. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, we're you. in human. Gotcha. We're leaving sorry, sorry, the sorry. realm of bacteria. Of bacteria, okay. But by weight... That is, of course, our the weight of our body is not blood, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is why you don't weigh an eighth lighter when you donate a pint of blood. Right. In case you've ever weighed yourself after donating blood. <laughs> not recently. Not so uh, <laughs> So it actually turns out that it's only 5% of our mass is blood. Okay. So all of your blood was drained from your body, besides other issues you may face. All of them. All the issues. You would only weigh 5% less. It is not a good crash diet to just run out of blood. Right. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. Uh, I most... wonder if getting rid of your emotional baggage is... I think that would be a, a lot more weight, I think. Speaking uh, personally. <laughs> about a third-ish is muscle. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, close to a little less than that is fat. And then there's a bunch of, like, other. But this is just for reference man. Reference man. Reference man. <laughs> reference man only has that much fat. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, actually, yeah, Reference Man, Reference Man was like one and a half percent body fat. Yeah, he's Reference like, Man is shredded. Reference shredded, Man toned. <laughs> rides his bike a lot. He yeah, does. Reference Man does not take cars. <laughs> um, so I found all of that interesting. There was mm-hmm. there was a very geeky rabbit hole where a fun biology fact: red blood cells are only around in your body to do what? Like, why do you have blood? To move oxygen. Yeah. Yep. Doug passes. I was insane to leave, leave forensic evidence behind. <laughs> Too much true crime. Yeah. It's to move oxygen, <laughs> and in fact, your blood is um, like having a mitochondria in there, mm-hmm. having a nucleus and all that stuff in there is actually just dead space. Your mm-hmm. oxygen or your red blood cells just want to fill, be f- stuffed to the brim with hemoglobin, <laughs> and so they actually don't have a nucleus. They don't have a lot of the parts that we have been taught in biology class. Like endoplasmic reticulum. Very good. Ooh, Doug. Is Doug. I know some things. You, that, whew. So there is a yeah. geeky rabbit hole of this like existential, well, what is a cell? If it doesn't have mm. a nucleus or an endoplasmic reticulum or a mm. mitochondria, is That's... it even a cell? And then all these people were like, well, it's not a cell. So then 75% of your body isn't human cells. It was... I think boring. that's the only thing we have to argue about now is how we classify things. Oh, God. It's, it, I can't... Even I was like, come on, guys. What? We're, we're not calling our blood cells, like, alien cells. <laughs> this is my body. Right. Um, another fun thing I learned as I wrap this up, women have fewer cells than men. We have, eight, we have what, 71% less cells. We're paid fewer cells than, than men are. Wait, what? I think <laughs> no. Margaret's making a, An equal a pay. reference to the equal pay. Yeah. Uh, they just, you know. Um, none of those cells can get through the glass ceiling. No, they can't. Yeah. They sure can't. The, Not yet. The, the red blood <laughs> cell <yet>. ceiling. Uh, <laughs> women why? have... I know why. Yeah. Yes. Because they make <laughs> other cells. That's true. In exactly. the form of a baby. So right. So why, why don't they have more to start with? Women have a slightly higher colon volume. So Go that girls. actually means they, don't have, they have more human cells, which are bigger than bacteria cells. Something I oh. failed to mention in the beginning. They're okay. just bigger on average. Mm-hmm. Um, they have 10% less red blood cells than men. Okay. And they have a tw- around 20% less volume of blood than men. Why? Just by size. Oh, uh, I do did not mean, go into that. Sorry. Radical. Do you mean because women are historically or like smaller? No, it said just men, by or? like. Per by size. Wow. Is reference woman like three foot four? Yeah, reference woman has tiny veins. <laughs> I'm here to tell you though that you may have less of everything, but you get to do something infinitely more magical with your body. That is true. That is true. So I don't think it matters. That's true. I may um, not have more blood than you all, but <laughs> now I, I will just I add cooler things. I will add for anyone who's going to get angry at me. Uh, these are, of course, estimates. Reference man <laughs> is purely that. He is reference man. We didn't get reference man's diet Mm-mm. or anything. Mm-mm. No. We, yeah. So many things. Uh, there's so many things that could affect this, and that's what I'm going to end us with. Uh, Carl Zimmer, a famous science writer, even said, the very fact that scientists are still so unsure of how many cells and bacteria are in each of us is pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. That, like, such a basic fact has like for so long gone like really un like looked into right um so i'm gonna leave you with this 
And this was a quote that ended a scientific paper that I thought this should have been your title. Um, I'm just going to go with this. Uh, the bacteria cell to human cell ratio is actually close enough to equal that upon each defecation event, pooping, <laughs> we excrete about a third of our colon's bacteria content, which favors the ratio of way more human cells to bacteria. In layman's terms, every time you poop, you poop more of you. You take a third of your bacteria count about roughly out of your body, and there is more you than them. When you poop, you poop out a third of the trillions of cells in your body. Wow. And I just thought that was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'm also taking defecation event as a band name. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's it. Yay. Yeah. That was great. So uh, they're, they're about equal. As far as we know, and we still don't know. 38 trillion to 30 yeah. trillion. About, and if you can poop out a third of the 38 trillion, yeah. I, I like the idea that we're, that's about half mm-hmm. between human cells and bacteria cells. That factors well into mine and where I'm going. So that's Ooh. great. We'll great. bring that up later. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah, so I, I know I'm next, and there are echoes of what you said in mine, even though they're completely different. Huh. Can I ask you, uh, Doug, you're a a loyal listener. Camden, you are a loyal listener to almost all the words I say on a daily basis. Um, (laughs) If I had to do a misconception about something, what would it be about? Shark murder. Just the first part. If you had, like somebody was holding a gun. No, in your no, no. Head? If I if I chose to do a, uh, a if you were unfettered mm-hmm. yeah. in your misconception choice, yes. What would you choose? Yep. Shark true crimes. It's not like a detective shark. Not true. It would be something around an animal extinction that isn't really extinct. Oh, ooh, oh, like Doug, that. you are very close. I listen. That's my name, or that was my nickname, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's Is it right. megalodon? No, it's not about megalodon. <laughs> It is, that is a true, true fact that Megalodon is extinct. Don't let, don't don't let strange documentaries. For those of us who don't know what that is, can I have a brief interlude? You may. So Megalodon was a. Or is. Or is. No, don't spread this. (laughs) Spread the conspiracy. No. (laughs) Was this um, huge great white ancestor. Okay. Who, their teeth were about as big as your palm, their jaw, like a reference man could stand in comfortably. They were a hulking great white. Yes, exactly, exactly. And Chef, you thought great whites were... Not hulking. Tiny, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's definitely extinct, has been for millions of years, and but people still like are like, oh, maybe it's still out there. Maybe it's like in Mariana's Trench, which is the deepest part of the ocean. Yeah. No, no, we would know about it. We would know about it. I really think we would. I mean, I'm always open to more information and... Mm-hmm. We don't. We only know about what's in five percent of the ocean, but there is no concrete evidence at this point that a large that's another wild shark fact. exists. What five percent? Is oh. that a misconception? No, that's the true thing. We only know about five percent of what goes on in the Look, ocean. Look, I've sailed across the ocean four times. There's a lot of water out there. There but is a lot 5%? of water. Five percent. Five percent. About five wow. percent. We know more about space. Um. So yes, my misconception is about sharks, but not about megalodon. So. Um. This is a misconception that I had for a very long time, and that is about freshwater sharks. 
So as most folks know, most sharks live in saltwater in the ocean. Um, what shark species or species can live in freshwater? I feel like I have an unfair advantage because I've been married to you for six years. Sure. Go ahead. What is it? Uh, there's, well, there's at least the bull shark. Okay. And it does both? Yeah. Yeah. And that's it? So yeah. bull sharks can live in brackish? Bull brackish sharks water? can live mm. in freshwater and saltwater and brackish yeah. water. Yes. So that's the misconception is that only bull sharks can live in Can we just take uh, a quick step back? Sure. What makes a shark a shark? What, oh what makes it have that genus and or, what, what is the correct term? Uh, what makes it a shark? So how are we going to define, why is a whale shark a whale shark? Like, think how, sh- how do we define this before we dive in? Conjure these as a class? I believe so. Here, I'll pull okay. it up for you okay. while you talk. And then it gets into, a, well, elasmobranch, I mm-hmm. think, is the bigger category. And then, and that includes, like, skates okay. and rays. Okay. And then you get into chondrichthys, which... So is it, like... No, flipped. I flipped it. Okay, so chondrichthys is the big one. Class. And then you get into So is it, like bone structure? Is it what... Cartilaginous. Yeah. Skeletal structure is a big definition or big defining feature of sharks. Um, they're oh, they're um, Kimmins pointing for me. Ampullae of Lorenzini. Yeah, yeah. And just they're paired like little nose slit snout things. Yeah. So design. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they basically is all more, we're getting at. Morphologically. I think the cartilage part is a big the cartilage part is a biggie. Yeah. yeah. Design. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So they're more designed like this than they are like this. Therefore, they mm-hmm. belong in this group. Yeah. Okay. Great. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. I, for a long time, thought that bull sharks, for an embarrassingly long time, for someone who reads a lot about sharks, thought that bull sharks were the only species of shark that could live in fresh water, because that's one you hear about all the time. Um, but that is not true. Um, I started thinking about this misconception when we were in Borneo, actually, and we were on this river called the Kinabatangan River, and I heard people talking about the sharks in the river. And I was like, oh, I didn't know bull sharks came up this way. Mm. And that's all I really thought about it. But then I did some research and found out that they are definitely not the only ones who can live in freshwater. But it's important to understand before I get into this that there is so much that we don't know about sharks. There is so much. We don't know most things about sharks. Um, so that being said... Bull sharks can indeed live in freshwater. Um, they get their name from their kind of roundish bull-like appearance and their kind of aggressive behavior. Their other names are the cub shark, the freshwater whaler, estuary whaler, Zambezi shark, Nicaragua shark. Zambezi? I know. Um, or river shark. What was the first, what was the second one you said? Uh, freshwater whaler. What was the one before that? Cub shark? Cub shark is cute. It is cute. You wouldn't be cub scared scout. of a cub. Yeah, you wouldn't cub be scared scout. of a cub Someday scout Someday he'll shark. be an eagle shark. An eagle shark. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they are found commonly in warm water, shallow water throughout the world. And again, they can live in fresh water. They can be found far upriver. They've even been seen as far as Indiana in the Ohio River. Oh, no. It's a long way up there. That's far. <laughs> I assume coming from the Gulf of Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's tenacity. That's tenacity. tenacity. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They get up to about 13 feet long at their longest. And they might look slow, but they can swim in short bursts of up to 11 miles an hour or so. 
And uh, bull sharks, so they can breed in freshwater, but they more often than not breed in saltwater. However, the young, because this will be a theme that freshwater is safer, the young tend to be in freshwater, and then when they grow up, they can kind of deal with everything out in the ocean, so that's when they move to saltwater. So that's bull sharks. Yes, they do live in freshwater. However, there are also river sharks. I thought you just said the bull shark was also called a river shark. Yes, that is why it gets very confusing. Whoa. But there are river sharks. They're in this group called Glyphis, G-L-Y-P-H-I-S. And... That's a made-up word. That's all words. Sure, sure, sure. (laughs) And for all of this, I got my sources from National Geographic, um, a a blog post about freshwater sharks. I got uh, from University of Florida's Florida Museum. We've really improved our citations from last week. Yes, 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 yes. Are you guys MLA fans or APA fans? APA, baby. Me too. Yeah. What yeah, are you? I, yes. Okay. I just, I, I mean, that's, we, what, that's what reference that's man would what, want. That's what reference, reference man would advocate for. <laughs> reference man would want APA. APA. <laughs> I never even thought of all these reference man jokes yeah. when I was reading this. <laughs> well, that's what we're here for. You have so to this why we reference brought, man. <laughs> I'm glad Doug got Chap, reference man. Like No, like episode 19, yeah. reference man. Reference man, oh yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. yes. Um, I also got a lot from a 2015 research paper by... Chen Hong and Corrigan called DNA capture reveals transoceanic gene flow in endangered river sharks and from the American Natural History Museum's article called Surviving in Saltwater. So with that in mind, river sharks. National Geographic told me that there are five species in the genus Glyphus that live in India, Southeast Asia, parts of Australia, um, and that not much is known about these river or freshwater species. Um, and they in- said they included the spear-toothed shark, the Borneo River shark. Um, but here's the thing is that one of you mentioned how classification is a big thing that Design? scientists are doing. Yeah, like the big, the big debate now is like how things are classified. Mm-hmm. And that is definitely true in this. So this research paper in 2015, their whole goal was to figure out, okay, how many species of river shark are there really? Because river sharks are very, very rare. They are rarely seen. Mm. Which is wild because right. people shouldn't live we know rivers. more about the rivers mm-hmm. in the ocean? Mm-mm. Particularly if that's where we get our water. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, where are they hiding? But I think a lot of them are in places that are rarely studied, like um, like more rural parts of Indonesia and things like that. Water so they're, parks. They're, not water parks. <laughs> Toilets. <laughs> oh gosh. Misconception. Um, so this this entire study to classify them and to really figure out which one was which one only used basically bits and pieces of sharks that had been found and given to museums or like kept in people's homes. So they used like they had like a jaw from this species or what they thought was a species. Um, the skin from this other species, and then they compared them to see what they were actually looking at in terms of was the DNA so similar that they were, that they could classify them as the same species. So originally the, the, there were the Ganges shark, the spear tooth shark, the Irwadi shark, the Kinabatangan river shark, um, or the Borneo river shark and the Northern river shark. But after doing all of this DNA comparison, 
they found that um, the Speartooth shark, the Borneo river shark, and the northern river shark were the only distinct species. So all of the other ones were so closely related to those three that they were the same. This reminds me of <clears throat> the Brontosaurus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, where, like, everyone, they just put together pieces of dinosaurs. Yeah. And I know there's, like, thoughts that maybe the Brontosaurus was actually a thing now, mm-hmm. even though after people were like, no, it wasn't. But it kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. But yeah. this isn't even a dinosaur, although it's older, I mean, it, it's older than dinosaurs. Yep, 300 million years. Yeah. But they still exist. Like, we should have more proof than this. But we really don't. I mean, when all of your information on a species is based on little odds and ends of a species, then it, your classification can be wrong. So using DNA, they figured out what they really were. So now we have the this spear tooth shark. This is the true part. This is not the true crime <laughs> part. Although, I, same technique. This is where Margaret got lost <laughs> and infatuated. Got really confused, yeah. And stayed up too late. <laughs> Truly. I read this entire paper. It's fascinating. Um, but those three species are the only distinct species right now that we know of of river sharks. And so um, the spear tooth shark, for example, kind of has that same life history as the bull shark does. Their young stay in freshwater, it seems like, and then make their way out to the salt water. Um, and those river sharks, they think, don't really rely on their sight. They rely on their mm. other senses, wow. like their um, ampullae of Lorenzini, which detect electronic, um, electric... Sort of fields. Fields, mm-hmm. yeah. exactly, that living Weird. things give off, and so do boat propellers and things like that. So they don't... Because they live in murky rivers, they can't rely oh. on their, their sight. They have to do something else. Or um, they've evolved to do something else. Or they've evolved to do something else. Exactly. Exactly. Man, Doug's killing it. Doug's killing it. Um, cool. So, just fascinating, and I'm going to keep looking at this because, you know, that was 2015. We don't know if, you know, as we learn more, if there will be another species of shark that's discovered. Because if we only now discover that there are only three, there may be more so, out there that we haven't found yet. Episode 40. We'll find out. We'll be like, nope, there are a hundred species of river sharks. I mean, why is there a void of this? Is it because it's in places that don't have the research funds and the knowledge? I think that's part of it. Because it happens to be a species that exists on the part of the earth Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily have the means to classify Mm -hmm. or capture and release Mm -hmm. or whatever to know what's really there. Yeah. And and just from our, like, because we went to the Kinabatangan River when we were in Borneo. Looking at that river, it is deep. There are saltwater crocodiles in it. Mm-hmm. It is murky and it is, it is fast moving. Murky does it a disservice. It you is. You can't see. You through can't see anything. anything. It's. Uh, it's just hard. Opaque. It's yeah. Yeah, to say the least. Mm-hmm. So I think just research like conditions butterfly. are really difficult. Mm. Really, really difficult. Um, so hopefully we'll learn more about them. But I was also interested to know that only five percent of elasmobranchs, so like sharks and shark relatives are able to survive in freshwater. Most of those are freshwater rays. So there are some stingrays that oh. live in freshwater. Um, so to sum up, the only bull sharks and also the genus Glyphus, which are those three species that they found, um, can go in between freshwater and saltwater. Yeah. The end. Oh, and let me make one more point. Oh. Don't, don't let movies fool you. There are no sharks in landlocked bodies of water. So if, if a lake is truly landlocked, there will not be a shark in it. Don't what about worry about Sharknadoes? 
That's a valid question. <laughs> what about sand sharks? No. S- sand sharks? Yeah. Have you not seen the made-for-TV show? Are you shark talking about land movie? sharks? Made-for-TV movie sand Land sharks. sharks. It was called Land Sharks. Yeah. And it's not, no, it's not real. It's I was thinking of the, sh- the sandworms from Beetlejuice. Never mind. Never, no. Oh, that's a great movie. <laughs> it is. Anyway, so don't worry about it if you're in a lake. Don't worry about it. Really, if you're, you're fine. You're fine. Can I ask some follow-up questions about that? Yeah. Just like maybe one or two. Sure. I was reading recently about scientists discovering a new type of electric eel in the Amazon. Yes. That's uh-huh. like about 200 volts more measured than previous ones, and mm-hmm. they're giving it a different designation and name somehow because of, we're talking about design, like the shape of its head, right. and it's a little bit longer, whatever. Like it's it's like 200 more volts or something. Mm-hmm. So they were contending that then groups of them, schools of them, I don't know what groups of eels are called, mm-hmm. they like will shock fish their prey into different spots or groups and then sort of do like the same thing like dolphins do. Mm-hmm. They'll group and then it's easier to get. Did you read about that? I have I've just it? heard like, about that. Okay. I don't know enough about it to to make a ruling. Not that my ruling yeah. is fun, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's interesting from yeah. like a we never knew, and mm-hmm. here they are, yeah. and they're eight hundred and sixty volts. Like mm-hmm. that's it's crazy. That's crazy. It's not lot. very much current. Awesome. Yeah. But yeah. A strong, like push behind it. Mm-hmm. That's also cool that like you think of other animals and they're like you were saying based off of their their DNA sequences mm-hmm. and their structures and like for an electric eel you could like actually the voltage might be somewhat related. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Also, like what sort of. <clears throat> bioelectricity are we all carrying mm-hmm. yeah and how important is it yeah also just googled it a group of eels it's called a bed a really bed. a I bed w- of eels i wouldn't have thought that i would have thought it was like a, a slither or uh, a or a like shock a maybe oh a shock oh that you're right you, can we get that spread <laughs> that should be what they're called Thanks. Electric eels, anyway. Yeah. But they are in freshwater. Speaking of that, a lot of people at the aquarium ask if we have eels, but electric eels are only in freshwater, Uh, not in saltwater. That sounds like the Margaret Scientific Naming Institute. They just come to her and say, hey, we need a name for this. Like a cuddle of dogs. Yes. I would love to name groups of animals. A nuzzle of cats. Yes. Give us one for bears. Go. A bears, I would say. A group of bears is called a. A, a, a denning. A denning. A denning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. That'll be fifty dollars, please. Speaking <laughs> of dennings, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Great transition. Non sequitur. Yeah. I realize that we are not a fan of transitional material on this <laughs> no. podcast. No. Okay. There are none written into the script. It's so sudden. For those wondering. <laughs> How does he do it so well? It's all off the cusp. It's a pleasure to go last. So um, I don't have anything quite so like scientific, but it came up as like a misconception that I think a lot of people have wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily that they've been past this misconception. It's that they just don't know. And that's fine. You don't know what you don't know. Right. So uh, going back to reference man and bacteria versus human cells, um, something that I kind of wanted to frame was like, I believe that we are organisms in an environment, but I think going back to the bacteria and human cells, we're in an organism hyphen environment. Mm-hmm. We are very mm-hmm. much a product of our environment, yeah. and we yeah. are very much a little bit of balance of both, apparently more environment Margaret, than friend. organism. Uh, yeah. Jury's out. Oh, yeah. For so many reasons. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you. There's mm-hmm. a lot, except for after we poop. 
So <laughs> then, then we are human for yeah. that for that fleeting moment after I poop. I There's human. divinity in the toilet. So what I was going to talk about was um, the very like if I say something, maybe we'll ask Margaret. Margaret, oh if I asked you what negative punishment means, negative. what do you think that means? Off the top of my head, I would say negative punishment means like yelling at someone mm-hmm. or like not letting them have dessert or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that you're using to try and alter behavior. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's kind of right. And we'll get into why it's kind of right and why it's kind of false. Okay. Um, and I think to like set the stage, we're talking about trying to either predict or alter behavior. Whether it's in an animal or whether it's in a human, and I guess we're all animals, but um, there's basically two schools of thought and people can argue and whatever. It's basically classical conditioning or operant conditioning. Mm-hmm. Does everybody know the difference between the two? It's been a while since I took psychology. One of, one of them yeah. is Skinner. That's <laughs> yep. all I got. B.F. Skinner Candy, is, <laughs> is operant conditioning. Okay. Um, Pavlov, mm-hmm. Ivan Pavlov and his dogs right. in Russia in, I don't know exactly what time period probably prior to world war ii that seems right yeah uh very very prior because he had to relocate from parts of russia to saint petersburg but um pavlov pavlov was was um sort of the founding father even though i've read that he didn't care and didn't want it of Mm. classical conditioning Mm. which is also called respondent conditioning which basically means that involuntary responses to experience you have to create another experience so what he did with his dogs is he would say, well, before I um, feed my dogs, I'm going to ring this bell. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to measure their salivation. Mm-hmm. And eventually he got to the point where he could ring the bell and they would salivate even though there was no food. Mm-hmm. So that's a way to create a response and to change a behavior with just one input. Like that's classical conditioning. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. An involuntary response. Operant conditioning got it. actually involves a introduction of something to create that behavior. So it's actually something that somebody consciously puts into an environment in order to change the behavior of an organism. So it's not involuntary, it's voluntary. Can you give an example of that? Of, um, of operant conditioning? Mm-hmm. So we'll start with, um, there's two different types of operant conditioning. There's punishment and there's um, reinforcement, mm-hmm. okay? And within those two, there's positive and negative to both. Right. So this is where we'll get into it. So um, reinforcement means that you are increasing an already demonstrated behavior from an organism. Mm -hmm. So you're saying, like, you demonstrated this behavior as an organism in the environment, and I'm going to reward you for it by reinforcing that behavior, whether it's positive or negative. Okay. Okay. Um, Punishment means that there was something that, a behavior that was exhibited that you don't want to continue. Mm-hmm. And so you either give a positive or a negative um, punishment for that behavior that you don't want to continue. So to confirm, reinforcement is you saw a desired behavior. And you want to see it again. And you want gotcha. to see it again. Mm-hmm. Punishment is you saw a behavior you don't want to continue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you either added or removed something to make sure that it didn't continue. Okay. Oh, Okay, so I think this is where my misconception was. So when you say positive... We're getting to that. Okay. Don't give it away, Kevin. Well, I heard you say add um, a net. Yeah, I'm trying to define reinforcement versus punishment. Yep. Okay. So then positive and negative just simply means that 
whether it's a punishment or whether it's a reinforcement, positive means you add something to the mm-hmm. environment or negative means you remove something mm-hmm. from the environment. So the easiest way to probably understand this is just by example, because that's definitely how I learn. Yeah. So if you are going to give a positive reinforcement, you would add a desirable stimulus to the environment for an organism. For an example, your child comes home and they do their homework right away. That's a behavior you want to see right away. And you tell them, if you do your homework right when you come home, you get your new art set or you get a piece of candy. Mm -hmm. So there's plenty of parents out there, maybe there is, maybe there isn't, that would say, (laughs) why would I want to reinforce a good behavior for something that's just expected that they do? Uh And Mm -hmm. I would argue to say, we all do that. Why do you go to work? You get a paycheck. Why do you study hard so you can go to a better school? We all have that carrot hanging out in front of us. And I'm not saying it's the best way to go, but it does help. Yep, yep. Interesting. And I've heard through like, teaching school that like in some ways the carrot actually trains you and maybe this is what conditioning is to internalize that anyway it's like it doesn't become an expectation or like Mm -hmm. an automatic thing until you've been like trained to expect like an external thing Mm -hmm. and that could be blending a little bit of classical and operant conditioning Mm -hmm. together Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you are wanting to reinforce a behavior until it becomes second nature yeah yeah or until it becomes subcon until you just do, do it, it. Mm-hmm. got it mm-hmm. yeah so now we're going to talk about so so a positive reinforcement is the best way to learn a new behavior that's what we use at the aquarium with our animals and we're all animals yep and so, we all are negative reinforcement <laughs> negative punishment positive punishment are all ways to reinforce behavior not learn a new one right okay reinforce so negative reinforcement so the negative would mean you remove something from a situation Mm-hmm. And reinforce what would mean that there's already a desired behavior. Now, that seems weird yes. because it goes That's against the misconception. That's where my misconception came in. Right? So um, a very good example of this is seatbelt systems. Mm-hmm. So mm. if you get in and you sit down, but you don't put your seatbelt on, it's going to go beep, beep, beep until you fasten your seatbelt. Mm-hmm. So... That's something that once you click it, it and you away. do the desired oh, behavior, weird. it goes away. Mm-hmm. They've trained A lot me. like nagging. <laughs> uh-huh. Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Right, that's a, it's very useful. Yeah. And depending on the situation or how much sleep you've had, <laughs> uh-huh. it's a very effective technique. Yep. Depending on, you know, the age and the whatever else of the whomever degree, you're trying to the change their behavior. Of <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So... Another thing, um, another example of that was sort of lost or we're not quite sure where we're going is horse training. Mm-hmm. So generally speaking with horse training, riders will apply pressure by pulling or squeezing legs mm-hmm. or even something as inhumane as a spur mm-hmm. and then remove the pressure when the horse performs a desired behavior. Taking it away. So you're introducing, yeah, but then you take it away right. when the behavior's there. So it's not something you just add. It's something uh. that you remove. So positive and negative is very important there when it comes to reinforcing behavior. I think that the hang-up for a lot of people is that positive equals good and negative equals bad. But in this case, positive means add and negative means subtract. It's not good or bad. It's just And that's where the non-psychological host, me, (laughs) got really confused. (laughs) I mean, I no, not now, but that's definitely Yeah, that's a misconception. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I love psychology. So... um, if, if you're going to control a nation, you need to control their behavior. So, <laughs> just slip you that You heard in. it here first. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> if, 
if you want to free your mind, you'll understand psychology. Mm -hmm. So let's move on to punishment. So as we've already learned, um, punishment means uh, there's been a behavior that's been already exhibited that you want to stop. Mm -hmm. So you want some sort of like cessation of said behavior, whatever it may be. So as we've already learned, um, many people confuse um, negative reinforcement with punishment mm -hmm. um, in operant conditioning just in general right. because they, they're very different. Fools, but, who would do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, a positive punishment would mean you add an undesirable stimulus. Okay. Oh. So that's, that's kind of the crux, right? So when you think about adding something positive, generally the misconception is you add something that like positive meaning desirable. Right. But you can also add something undesirable mm -hmm. to a situation. So, uh, and this is just to go back to like teaching. Right. Um, you could scold a student mm -hmm. to get the student to stop texting. Mm -hmm. In this case, the stimulus is the reprimand. And you're adding that. And, and added in order to decrease the behavior texting in class. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, the behavior already happened. So, mm -hmm. we're talking about timelines here between reinforcement. Gotcha. And if, punishment. If it mm -hmm. happens, the bad thing happens. Yes. And the you, undesired behavior happens. And mm -hmm. you add a reprimand. Yes. That is positive punishment. punishment. Whereas if you were telling someone, like, you need to do this thing I want you to do. But it hasn't like happened nagging, yet. And it hasn't happened yet. You need to wash the dishes. You need to wash the That's dishes. That's a negative reinforcement. Whoa. Because then once yeah. they do it, you remove it. Mm -hmm. So we'll take this to another level now. And talk about negative punishment, which I think is like whatever, like corporal punishment or like, you know, the, the electric chair or you know, mm -hmm. something like that, right? You're just trying to make people scared Casual. that they're not going to see the light of the next day, right? right? So p negative punishment is when you remove a pleasant stimulus to decrease behavior. Okay. So oh. we've gone from an undesirable stimulus to a pleasant stimulus mm -hmm. to decrease behavior. So an example of this is when a child misbehaves you take away the toy. Mm -hmm. In this case, the stimulus is the toy in order, in removed in order to decrease the behavior of what the child is doing. Okay. So they're very confusing, but I think if you start with like what is one versus another in a timeline, mm -hmm. and then what is one add is one is remove, then you can kind of figure it out from, and then while they all kind of are ambiguous, if you think about, if you're really trying to like figure out behavior in general, which is, I think that's something almost everybody is in tune with and like would like to understand better, whether it's yeah. animals or humans or yeah. whatever, then that's how the psychological world thinks about behavior. And I don't necessarily have a ton of like resources or whatever. This is just psychology one-on-one, yeah. but it came up as a misconception mm -hmm. and I think it's important for everybody to understand. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, if I can ask a clarifying question, as a parent to two non-parents, mm -hmm. do you find yourself using a mixture of all those different things when parenting? Um, I think that it matters the age of the child mm -hmm. and what they see as important and okay. what you see as important in marrying those things. Mm -hmm. I think it matters about the behavior and the intention. Right. And it also... I think with kids, it's generally more about organism than it is about environment because they don't have all the normal hangups that we have, they don't have the like, well, so-and-so doesn't like, I mean, like the age of my kids, are, they don't really have that yet. They're more an organism. Mm -hmm. And that may be like when my kids get older, I could tell you something different. Right. But where I am now, it's more about like how much sleep have they been getting? Mm -hmm. How much of their day is different than it used to be? Okay. And I don't find that any sort of like 
if this, then that. Mm. I find more of like, I love you, so let's do this together. Okay. So it. So like, and like, the, sounds like the context of like what has led there's up. There's so to much this more moment. context mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like where I think maybe with a sterile environment or something that's like uh, trying to get an orca or a killer whale at SeaWorld to do what you want it to do mm-hmm. is maybe more privy to this type of thing yeah. um, than like our actual very complex, mostly bacteria humans. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I don't think Reference Man would do very well with much of this, <laughs> but I think if, if he had his own internal will, mm-hmm. these things could be sprinkled upon to make it him that much more successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really like that, Doug. I think that's a hard one to wrap our brains around Mm -hmm. not only in terms of like positive versus negative not being bad or good but yeah the timeline of when that like yeah i don't think i've ever heard it reinforcement or punishment happens stated like the timeline Mm -hmm. that like grid timeline and add and remove now Mm -hmm. i feel like it's very easy to like put them in either bucket i could say that in 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 like a psychology 410 class i would say that maybe from what i saw 30 percent of the people and truly understood and could say this is this, and this is this, mm-hmm. and this. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's so kind of flips your head around yeah. from what it you would normally think to, of mm-hmm. that it takes time to soak in. Yeah. Awesome. But that is a lot to think about. I'm going to think about, I'm going to look for things this week that are <laughs> like the, the uh, seatbelt beeping thing and mm-hmm. try to figure it out. Thanks, Doug. Mm-hmm. So before ending each episode, we have a short segment where we share something interesting that we have read, listened to, watched, or otherwise consumed this week. Um, Let's see. Doug, do you want to go first since you went last for the misconceptions? Otherwise consumed? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. With your ears or your eyes or... Or mouth. I I mean, I guess I could just say, like, um, I don't know how, like, popular this is, but the new Tool album is unreal. (laughs) And, like, I've been consuming it. Very, very heavily (laughs) um, as it relates to, like, what it is to be human and be trapped inside of a bag of flesh. Mm -hmm. And I just really, really like it, and it's nice to have it. Mm -hmm. And um, it syncs with me on a lot of levels, so if anybody's interested, it's like, they're finally on streaming platforms. Um, And if you want to go listen to something that's not just 4-4 and not just something that that is, like, run-of-the-mill on the radio, but you want to hear something different that's very visceral and, like, very connective back to all of our tissues, Mm -hmm. I would... If you're a thinker, um, Tool is like the thinking man's metal, and that's what I've been consuming. Okay. I like that, the yeah. thinking man's metal. Mm-hmm. So would you say, if you had, if you are someone, if you're a listener who has not given Tool a shot before, mm-hmm. would the newest album be an okay place to start? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's pretty contiguous of previous works since um, Lateralis, um, but like, I, you shouldn't. It's, you know, like uh, the word is visceral, right? Like mm-hmm. the, it's going to be very connective and mm-hmm. you need to be in the right space to hear it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's something you play at work. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think we all have music where like, I, c- I can listen and love this, but I won't play it at work. Yeah. Or I won't play it in this certain yeah, setting. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, speaking of bag of flesh, can I go? Because <laughs> actually, <laughs> I, I, hope so. I know people are giving me some heck here about transitions, but I have a perfect transition here. <laughs> sure. Uh, bag of flesh, bag of bags. Oh my God. We, I was, I once heard our, the human body referred to as a bag of bags, being that the bags are our organs and the big bag is our body. Um, <laughs> God. and the person I heard say that is none other than Randall Monroe. 
He is the author of the webcomic XKCD.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you read that, Password Doug? generation. Password Pass- generation meme. Yes. He <laughs> is the person. So good. Does he do the hoverovers? Yes. Is he the one that actually does the like very clever hoverovers? Yes. You know what I mean yeah. by hover yes. over? Hover yeah. overs. You hover, you hover over, over the, the, with your mouse. The, you hover and over the mouse. Like a secret. It's another a, joke. It's a whole nother joke. Yeah. And yep. If you've never given XKCD, it's oh yes. so fantastic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And the the reason uh, Doug is someone who has a very deep understanding of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about passwords before. <laughs> uh, and speaking of. Um, like science communication, making it understandable for all. He does a really good job of that. He takes some pretty intense and like breaks it down. One of them is passwords. He's a very famous comic about how it's actually a better password is five random words, random words you can remember. Mm -hmm. No numbers. Yep. Um, He has, he has a strong Mm -hmm. argument against why symbols and numbers are stupid. Mm -hmm. Basically the logic is there are 26 letters. There's only 10 digits yeah and there's only i don't know how many symbols are recognized well that and people are dumb and start substituting symbols for letters letters that look similar (laughs) yes (laughs) spelling hat with an at sign and yes yeah um so anyways just that kind of thing we got to hear him speak in seattle Mm -hmm. um his first book was called what if he had a blog called what if it's fascinating you should give it a check or check it out his second book that we heard him speak about a couple of years ago was called The Thing Explainer, where he used the thousand most common English words to explain very complicated things, one of which was the human body, which he called the bag of bags. Mm-hmm. Um, That's fantastic. And yeah. his, his newest book is called How To, mm-hmm. and it is how to do common things in uncommon ways. Um, for example, the chapter I just read was How to Cross a River, and he, he starts with the simplest scenario, which is just walk across it. And then the second, which is just swim across it. And then it gets to, well, maybe you could boil it and then cross the dried water. <laughs> or maybe you could freeze it and skate across it. Uh, or maybe you can divert all the water somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. It's so interesting. He has just like, he has a way of make. he's a former NASA scientist. He worked on robot rovers for yeah, Mars. He's a NASA roboticist. Um, mm-hmm. He's super intelligent. You would you would never get this sense that he is like unable to communicate with people. Mm-hmm. Um He he makes me feel like math is useful. Yes. Which is something that not a lot of people make me feel. He puts math equations in the book and you just read it as like, Thank you for telling me this. I now I have understand how useful. you got this. Yes. Yeah. It um, sounds like a, a quenching of thirst. It really yeah. like honestly mm-hmm. as a science teacher, I I want to someday be able to actually just teach a math class. Just with this book, because, mm-hmm. yeah. like yeah, yeah. just with like these fascinating, stupid questions yeah. that aren't that stupid, but are just interesting. Um, my favorite quote from the night that I wanted to share was he had this celebration where he had a ball pit and he wanted to turn an entire room into a ball pit. Meaning like a play ball like yeah. a play, like, like Chuck E. Cheese, yeah. McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. And some of it, he had a whole uh, scenario where he talked about how does volume work when you ex- with ball pits um and then a very funny quote which is a ball pit is always the thought the size that it is which is when he wanted them to ship him all the balls to fill his apartment they said you understand these balls don't inflate 
We must ship you of an apartment size <laughs> container to fit into your apartment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the quote being, a ball pit is always the size that it is. Uh-huh. Just the way he talks about science and physics is really funny. Um, XKCD, his new book, How To, is really fun. So I am deciding between two things that I have consumed this week. And I think I'm going to go with the podcast. I'll tell you about the other one next week or next episode. Um, I've been listening to this podcast. Through, it's through Wondery which is a great podcast network. Um, and it's called Over My Dead Body, colon, I know, I know, colon, Joe Exotic. So the colon makes it. So, yeah. <laughs> is it a hover? The colon is very important. The colon's it. important. Because uh, they do, they, this is their second season. The first one was about the murder of a lawyer and things like that. Anyway, the second season, which I'm, I'm caught up with, but it's not over yet, is about this, it's a nonfiction podcast, very well-researched, um, and this season's about this guy named Joe Exotic who ran, runs, I don't know, I haven't reached the ending yet, um, this, this zoo slash, like, he terms it to be a sanctuary for animals. Um, he has a lot of big cats. He started out by taking like tiger cubs and lion cubs to, to malls to be petted by people for money, which makes me very, what country? United States. Yeah. Here in the United States in like 2004. I'd love to know what state that was in. All of them. He traveled across the country. Yeah. Great. All of them. So thus the intrigue grows. Yeah. Yeah. So awful. Like as a animal rights advocate and just animal lover, awful. Um, but he, he would claim that he was, like, saving them or, like, helping people understand them, which you can do in a lot of different ways besides touching a tiger cub. Um, it sounds like the John R. Brinkley of wildlife conservatives. Say more. Is that the goats guy? Yeah. The goats guy. He sold everybody that he was the, doing oh, the, for, the, a, guy. The goat for a righteous guy? reason. Yes. Yeah. yes but that's... then it wasn't actually happening. Sorry to bring yep. up the John R. Oh, Brinkley Oh, no, 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 no. That's great. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I yeah, will always so, talk about that. Yeah, I know you will. <laughs> you were talking about that like the other day. I really was. Doug. <laughs> I really was talking about goat testicles being sewn into the human body the other day. Um, so anyway, so he, he had this thing and then he um, was basically put on blast by this woman named Carol Baskin, who was another person who said she was advocating for animals especially big cats and rescuing them from like auctions and things like bobcats mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. and so the tagline of this podcast is like two people who both wanted to save animals and destroy each other because they got into lit- litigation where like they sued each other because they were doing all these things because she didn't want him to continue anyway it's fascinating because it has like interviews with him it has interviews with her it has interviews with people that work with him Check it out. So Joe Exotic on the podcast, um, Over My Dead Body. It's really interesting. Wow. Yeah. Doug. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for yeah, joining us being... this episode. I appreciate being invited and bringing something that's one-on-one to something. Um, yeah. No, it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Do you have anything that you would like to oh. finish with? Anything you want to plug? Uh, a plug. Advocate uh, for? Yeah. Do you guys plug or advocate anything? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Um, Do you guys I, have I think anything? I plugged last week. I said, or last episode, I said, watching urban animals. Yeah, like squirrels. Just anything ducks. you want to. Oh, that's yes. right. That no, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I think like um, if there's some sort of like 
message to anything that's like energy produced through my cells, whether they're human or bacteria, <laughs> is that like, um, I mean, there's like a tremendous amount of beauty around us and I, like we get wrapped up in like the hangups of life, mm-hmm. but, um, just imagine if you didn't have it, mm-hmm. how precious it is. Yeah. And that's really the only thing that like I would like to pass along. I love that. Love that a lot. I really want this to be the end to all of our podcasts. <laughs> well, I have a couple more things to say. All right. Hold that feeling in your heart okay. and listen <laughs> like to that. me tell you more things. Um, so thank you for listening. Thank you, Doug, for being here with us today. Um, you can hear more content like this from our sister wife podcast from U to O, which is co-hosted by or which is hosted by me. Um, our theme music is composed by Camillo. Don't, Don't pee oh, you on can your say. Go ahead. No, go for it. <laughs> Don't pee on your leg. Now they know it's a script. <laughs> In other scientific misconceptions is a podcast produced by two birds, one scone. Articles, blog posts, and more about what you can do every day to conserve our environment can be found at www.twobirdsonescone.org. Also, um, since we are available on lots of different uh, platforms, if you want to go ahead and give us a five-star review and write words that you that reflect how you feel about us, would be that'd be great. You We'd can really find appreciate us it. On iTunes, on Stitcher, Spotify, on Spotify, mm-hmm. everywhere, SoundCloud. Yeah, find us. Find us and review us, please. Um, we set up an email account too. So if you have a scientific misconception that you'd like explained or want, you want to provide feedback to us, please email us at don't pee on your leg at gmail.com. Have, have a, a great, great week. week.